14 years ago, I got out of a physical abuse relationship. Me and my kids escaped that with clothes on our back and no shoes on our feet. And I ended up homeless. My daughter was about 10. My son was just a little bit over four years old. I started from scratch with nothing. And that scratch was I got into the beauty industry and I went from homeless to building a brand, building a name for myself, writing and publishing six books employing other single mothers. I launched a nonprofit, Heal Her. Has your life, your dreams been interrupted? Good news. It is possible to reinvent our lives. People are doing it every day, and some are brave enough to share the struggles, disappointments, and challenges. If you are looking for a new beginning, a do-over, or to rediscover your passion, maybe even find a new one, then grab a cup of coffee and let's talk. Interrupted, Act 2, Reinventing Your Legacy, with your host, Coach Lori. You are hearing stories from people whose lives have been interrupted, and yet they're using their stories to help others. Have you ever thought of using your story to help others by writing a book or creating a podcast? Well, then you're in the right place. Go to www.coachlaurie.com for all the details. Takiya LaShawn is an author of a lot of books, but newly, she is a podcaster. Her podcast is called Behind This Smile. Her mission in life is to help you. Welcome. Hey, Lori. Thank you so much. I'm just so excited and so honored to be here. We're going to talk about what got you to this point, but tell us about your life now, your ministry, the things that you're doing. I'm in a huge transition. That's an interesting, it's a loaded question when you say, tell us what you're doing, because I'm literally waking up asking God, uh, what are we doing? <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> because I'm in a transition right now for the last 14 years, I have been a solid entrepreneur. I've been in the beauty industry and God really out of a, we always find purpose and our pain and passion. And he gave me beauty for ashes literally and put me in the beauty industry. And I just took that and ran with it and helped women and built that brand. And now he's like, okay, I want you to sit that down and I want you to work in full-time ministry and ministry being using my voice and sharing my story. I'm in a transition and I'm still figuring it out, but I'm podcasting and I'm talking. And one thing I'm good at is talking when I was younger, the teachers, I'd get A's. That was no problem. But that report card was like, you know, Tia talks too much. She talks too much. Here we are today. And God's like, guess what? You're going to use that. Life is a transition. And I, some days I feel like I am that QB, that quarterback. I'm getting that ball and I'm running. And other days I am fumbling and just reaching. It's evolving. I'm here for it. I can honestly say I'm excited about the unknown because I 100% know that this is God. And if it's him, then ultimately I'm not responsible for making anything happen, but I am responsible for just stepping out on faith. And I've done that. It's good, but it has been, it has not been without the warfare and the wondering either. I love that you talk about it in that way, because I think with a lot of this self-help stuff, which I love self-help, I'm all yeah. about self-growth, but often yeah. it's like, I had this terrible thing happen to me and now my life is amazing. But what I find with Interrupted is 
I have this life I love, but guess what? Things still happen. We're still powering through and, and maybe we have mental health issues. Maybe we have so many different kind of issues we might have, but the beauty, and I love beauty for ashes because the beauty is that we keep getting up and we keep showing up. You have this purpose that sprung from something. You went through something and you decided, okay, I'm down or I'm dealing with it, but I'm going to get up. And that's a literal conversation I just had with uh, one of my children just yesterday. And I said, okay, we're going through something and it's okay to feel that. It's okay to feel those emotions. God gave us emotions. He wants us to deal with those and face those head on, but you got to get up. You got to get up. You cannot give up. You cannot just sit here and lay here. Every facet of every amazing thing that God has given me to do, every last one was born out of a pain. The purpose was get up and what are we going to do with this? I raised my kids around horses. Oh, I love horses. And I love horses. We get back on. You fall off. It doesn't go your way. You get back on. What a great yeah. lesson you're teaching your kids. Yeah. yeah. I saw your beautiful picture on your podcast. And I recognized that you, I love when people go through a tough time and then they're willing to talk about it. And again, not like I'm on the other side, but I'm walking through this difficult time. And I don't share this often, but I went through a brief domestic violence situation where I was stalked. And most people, some of my dearest friends don't even know that about me. So when I saw that you were doing this, I so wanted to bring it to the forefront so people could hear your story. So can you tell us what brought you to do this podcast? And that's so profound what you just said. And thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that about the fact that, you know, there are friends of yours, probably close friends that love you and know you that don't even know what you've gone through. That's the stigma with stalking that my speaking up and pioneers before me and to come after are worth shattering that because stalking is something that, you know, especially here in Western culture in America, it's not taken as serious as it should be all the time. There are agencies and organizations out there that are doing their part and silent ringing the alarm. But more of us need to speak up because stalking is a crime projected to make the victim feel shame. And that's why we don't speak up because it's like, well, what do you mean he's stalking you? He just loves you or he just cares about you or he just wants to fix it or he just wants to make her. I wish I had somebody that cared about me like that. And no, it is a real life crime. You and I found each other on, I believe it's the Christian podcast, which is an amazing group. And I posted just because there's been so many amazing connections that have come from that. But on January 18th, I actually posted on that group for the first time. And I've been a member of this group probably for about two or three months. I said I've been looking, learning and lurking and just watching everybody on there. But I was just being silent because I'm learning how to podcast myself. I launched my podcast January 18th. And the significance of that was I knew I needed to do it in January and it, I knew it needed to be January 18th specifically because January is nationally stalking awareness prevention month, which I did not know that until recently. It's like, there's a lot of things that go on out there and you don't know until you have to know. And when you become a victim, you start searching for people that can relate to you. And so I came across this amazing group spark, which is stalking prevention 
Awareness Resource Center, it gave me hope because I I didn't feel alone. And even though I'm surrounded by loved ones and friends and family, if you haven't gone through this, if you haven't dealt with it, you're learning yourself how to deal with it. And the people around you don't necessarily understand either because in my instance, my stalker was my ex-husband. So I'm the victim of intimate partner stalking. And in that, People just thought, well, it's your ex-husband. He still loves you. He didn't want the marriage to end. And peeling away the layers, the marriage had to end because of things that were being done in the marriage that I could not stay. It was debilitating and damaging to my my mental, physical, and emotional health. And so when I exited the marriage, he did not want to let that end. And a lot of times people that have these traits that do these things, they're controlled by a psychological disconnect or a mental illness. And it can range from just harassment to literally we've heard stories of women and men losing their lives. And that's not okay. We connected in that group because I posted on January 18th, I launched my first five episodes, actually, and three of those covered my story of enduring and overcoming stalking. And that was my first time publicly actually speaking up and going, hey, look, for the last two years, I've been in hiding. I've been healing, trying to. I've been going through the psychological ups and downs of dealing with this. I have been under the protection of the victim's advocate office because it was that serious. That was huge for me to get my podcast out and to do it on such a monumental day. And I'll tell you, Lori, it felt like this weight lifted when I did it. And I remember when I hit the publish button, girl, I snotty cried. I boohoo cried because it was such a journey to even recording and to becoming vulnerable. Just, and you know, we do this in a podcast. You're sitting somewhere in your home or your studio or somewhere in the privacy and the sanctity and safety of your own home. But even working through that was so hard just to open up and talk about it. And uh, I did that. And I'm proud of myself for doing that. And I'm going to continue to shout from the rooftops about what I've done and share my story. Yeah, I just got to tell you this. I am so glad that A, you said yes. I teach podcasting. And my big thing is push record. And it's so hard. It is so incredibly hard. So kudos to you. Second of all, did you see the, was it a Grammy, Nisi Nash? Did you see her winning that Grammy? Yes. And what did she say? I want to thank myself. (laughs) I'm so proud of myself. I was there at night when I was crying and didn't think. I was there the other four times I didn't get chosen. And Mm -hmm. I love it that you acknowledge yourself and, and you give yourself credit because as women, it is very easy for us to shout out anybody else, mm-hmm. but when it mm-hmm. comes to ourself and that really is what this podcast is about is celebrating the hard work that we do and we continue to do. I want to give okay. you a little platform to celebrate yourself and the things that you're proud of. And I know it might feel odd, but let's go there. You're an author, okay. you've written books, you've walked through a very dangerous, scary thing. Let's hear it. What are you what are you thanking yourself for? 
Gosh, I am so grateful. And I think, and I'm so glad that you touched on this because this really, I've just started to unravel this again in that group, me posting and sharing, I had no idea the amount of support that I would get and the input and just reading all the comments and everyone reaching out going, thank you for sharing. You should be proud of yourself. Congratulations. And uh yesterday, someone actually commented and they said, I hope you know that what you went through was a big deal. And that sunk in because it's like, it was a big deal. And the fact that I got up and I'm here and I'm still putting one foot in front of the other through everything I've gone through, that's a big deal. And the fact that I held my faith and I pulled it together, that's a big deal. The beauty in that is I'm at the center of that big deal. I mean, Christ is there. You understand what I'm saying? But I had to give him my yes. I had to give myself that yes every day and show up. That is a big deal. And I've been telling myself that is a big deal. I am a big deal amidst everything else that I've endured. So to peel away, you know, what I've achieved, even in the midst of this, I maintain running a very successful business, Spawn Salon. That in itself has been a journey. 14 years ago, I got out of a physically abused relationship. Me and my kids escaped that with clothes on our back and no shoes on our feet. And I ended up homeless. My daughter was about 10. My son was just a little bit over four years old. I started from scratch with nothing. And that scratch was I got into the beauty industry and I went from homeless to building a brand, building a name for myself, writing and publishing six books, employing other single mothers. I launched a nonprofit, Heal Her, and that houses women that come from situations like me that are dealing with mental illness or need spiritual mental, psychological. I partner with therapists. I offer restorative healing and retreats again, because everything I've done was born out of my pain. And I always got up going, okay, I had the strength to get up. I had the faith to get up. I had the circle of people to help me out. But what about the woman that doesn't? My heart is always for the, what about the one that doesn't? Like, This is hard enough for me to go through this with the village I have. What about the woman that doesn't have the village? God has always laid it on my heart to say, then you start it. You start it. You start a heal her house. And so I have two heal her homes, which started out as my own private residence that I felt tremendously blessed to even have. And I'm like, well, then I'm going to let other women use it when they need the space, when they need to get it away when they're a single mom and they're just struggling because they have to pay the bills and they just are having a bad day and they can't pull it together. Hey girl, I got a space. Go pull it together over there. Those six books that I've written and published, the first one is Never Forsaken, which is the journey about my childhood. I've endured childhood abuse and that spiraled into me being sort of a wild child in my young adult and teen years because I didn't have a solid home life. And so I had to work through that. And that really is my finding God moment, Never Forsaken. That is when God kind of plugged me into him and I've not come unplugged since. I've been perfect. I missed it a lot, but I've stayed plugged into the source. That book and I've written women's devotionals because 
through everything I've endured, homelessness, abuse, divorce, stalking, even you ask now, you know, hey, how are you doing? Is everything good? It's not. <laughs> Girl, it's not. It's, I'm smiling. But that's what behind the smile is about. It goes behind it. It's not. I'm, I haven't slept well in the last couple of weeks on the first of this year, January 1st. My 14-year-old nephew was sitting in his home playing video games and a bullet hit him. We lost my nephew. January 1st. That's how we're going to start the first of the year off. And that has debilitated our family, his mother, my sister, the community. In the midst of that, I have two children, young adult children. We're learning over the years because of my childhood abuse you don't know that you have mental illness or abuse, if you don't stop it, it perpetuates. And that's spilled over into my family. And we're dealing with that now. And I have two young adult children who are battling depression. I battle depression. And there's been multiple attempts of suicide in my family history. Son had a head-on collision into a cluster of oak trees. He walked away, but first responders just knew he was DOA. And I give God all the glory and all of this because he kept us. It sounds horrible. It is horrible. But I could smile. I can smile because I have an anchor and a hope in Christ. I would lose my mind, Lori, if I did it. So it hasn't been easy. And there's a lot that's going on. But I do tell myself, I am proud of myself. And so many people have told me that for so long. And I just, I'm used to trekking through. I just, I tell people, I'm just Takia. Thanks. Like, that's it. Don't give me all these titles or anything. But I'm starting to learn to acknowledge and come into that, that I'm a pretty big deal. And that's okay. That's okay. Thank you for giving me that space to honor myself because we need to do that. We need to hear more of that because it's a lot. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Like I'm a literal lifetime movie here. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I think what I love about your story is, and I'm so sorry about your nephew, but there are so many key elements one about stalking is sometimes family members want to get involved and get in the stalker's face, and that is not helpful. It makes it more dangerous. That's one thing. And then also, you didn't make it sound like everything is great, even though you're living your best life right now. You're still kind of every day going, what's next? Yeah. And you're smiling, but you are shining through it. And sometimes it feels like we're supposed to get to a certain place and then we can share our story. And as a mm -hmm. podcast teacher, I, I say, share your journey. Like mm -hmm. you're going through it now. And that's what people can re relate to. And years ago, when I took public speaking, I remember them saying, whatever's true for you, it's going to be true for other people. Part of the reason I didn't share my story of being stalked was the danger. As you know, mm -hmm. I'm enough removed now. I can drop little things about it. But it's one thing to be protective because there's danger and maybe danger for your family. But there's another thing when we're afraid to feel vulnerable because the shame that we feel, the person that is the abuser, their mindset is to help us feel so much shame that we won't walk away. It's very difficult. And so the journey that you had in letting go of that, we've heard of complex trauma, but there's also complex shame. Mm -hmm. And there's layers of 
putting it aside, letting go. If, if we are in a Christian community, divorce for me back in, in the day, that wasn't acceptable. There's so many layers. And I love that you said, I'm not perfect, but I put in the key every day and I, and I walk through it. I say, here's another day. Yeah. yeah. I love that you're seeing and reminding me of the, the word here is just vulnerability. Like you said, one of my scriptures that I live by that I constantly remind myself to share and that God has nudged me is like is revelations. I believe it's five and 12. We've overcome by the blood, the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And God's like, you have to speak. You have to speak for so long for me. I had no problem giving the testimony because see the testimony means I've went through the test. And now I'm out of it. And this is how it turned out. And I can tell you about it. And it's good. And I'm gonna give God all the glory. But the season that God has me walking through and what you keep reminding is vulnerability. And vulnerability is different than the testimony at the end because you're walking through it still. And God is going, okay, Takia, you're real good at talking about what I did. Now talk to people about what I'm doing. And that's ugly because you have to pull back the curtain and go, well, today wasn't a good day. Today I had a nervous breakdown and that's my hair is short now, but we'll talk about that. My hair was long and beyond my shoulders and November, 2023, Thanksgiving, the Monday before Thanksgiving, I got word notice from the victim's advocate because the stalking was so severe that my ex actually got locked up for this. Like this was not child's play and we're in the midst of that still. But I got a call that, you know, hey, his bond was granted and they're letting him out. I had a breakdown. I had a nervous breakdown and I took scissors to my hair. Looking back on it now, I recognize it was my way of trying to detach. It was a mental breakdown. I, in some way, shape or form, just that was the first thing I saw was scissors on the counter. And this this past three years, I had started this journey of growing my hair out in a certain manner. And I realized in those three years, what was wrapped in that was meeting him, marrying him, divorcing him, stalking. And my hair, other than it was a form of self-harm, actually. And I took to my hair and I just hacked and hacked and hacked. And I remember my brain just like it's slipping and I couldn't get a grasp on it. And I'm crying and I'm telling myself, you couldn't possibly be crying over your hair, but are you crying over your hair? What is going on? And I shared that and I shared that on my podcast. And that's vulnerability because I'm not okay. I'm still working through this. I am still very much impacted by it. I am still very much up and down. Um, the reality of it is it, it, it impacted so many other areas of my life, my relationship with my son, because like you've mentioned a couple of times, the stalkers, the perpetrators, they know what they're doing. They're crafty. They know how to attach to who they need to and say what they need to say. I mean, that's how he got me to marry him. They know what they're doing. For me, he targeted because I am someone that I carry myself in a specific manner and I'm surrounded by people that love me and care about me and want to protect me. And he saw everything good about me. Here's someone that said, well, if I attach to her, that's how people are going to see me. And that's what happened because if I married him, then I want you to accept him. And because you love and accept me, you're going to love and accept this person. And now when the truth comes out, he has access to 
to all those people that love and accept me that I said, hey, love and accept him. So why wouldn't or shouldn't they trust him? And that was deceptive. It took a while for people to really understand that, no, this is not a good person. And you sound crazy because, hey, I want you to accept this person. Hey, don't trust this person. It's a lot. Definitely vulnerability is I won't even call it a season. I believe this is just a lifestyle for me, but I think it's also healing and therapeutic is very much relatable. Like you just said, people want authenticity. No longer are the days where people want to see how good you're doing. I mean, people want to know that you're going through something and you can come out of it. That's where they want to see how you're doing good, because if you can come out of it, then I can come out of it. Speaking on shame, I heard something. Shame tells us that we are a mistake and not that we made a mistake. And I thought that was so powerful because looking at that situation and like you said, yours as well, you know, in the church, divorce wasn't accepted. It still isn't widely accepted. Well, why'd you marry him? I thought you heard from God. Did you not hear from God? Did you not obey God? We're beating ourselves up enough. And then we got Satan in our ear beating us up and trying to be the author of confusion. And that shame tells you you're the mistake. You're the mistake. But grace tells us we made a mistake. Even in that, Laurie, I had to learn. God had to settle me and tell me, you didn't even make the mistake. You obeyed. It takes two people to obey me, Takiya. So you cannot beat yourself up and blame yourself for his actions. It wasn't until I went to a Women of Faith conference, which I did not want to go. My girlfriend took me basically kicking and screaming because I didn't want to go. I was the biggest failure loser in the world. Here I thought I was going to be this Christian leader and I'm divorced. And now I've had this second marriage that I'm hiding from. One of Billy Graham's daughters was there and she had gone through the exact same thing and she Mm -hmm. shared her story and she had to go to her mom and dad and say, this guy isn't who we thought he was. And I'm terrified. I'm scared for my life. I'm actually scared for your life. Sitting in the audience hearing that, I thought, oh my goodness, it's not just me. I really was holding on to all of that, that I was the failure. Mm -hmm. That's so powerful. And that is what we have to break that stigma. And that is what the speaking up helps to do. Because for me, I was carrying this in silence and going back to how this podcast launched that day that I had that nervous breakdown. I remember waking up the next day and I, I literally, it was so bad. I was having dreams that would manifest into visions. I literally saw me attempting to take my life. I had fallen that deep into a hole. And I remember waking up and going, okay, look, God, like what's going on? Like I'm done. Like either take me, let me go or tell me what you have me here for. What am I here for? And I remember looking at my social media, posting all the smiling pictures and all that. And I said, I'm always smiling. And I said, if people only knew the truth, behind this smile. And I heard God say, so tell them. So tell them the truth behind this smile. I had multiple people that had no clue what was going on with me, but just at random, God would send people through church or a phone call or a friend and say, you know, you got to let go. You got to let go. And I remember one day just crying and going, God, I want to let go of this pain. I don't want to hold on to this pain. Like I'm trying. I don't want to be in unforgiveness. And God literally told me, he said, no, I don't mean you're holding on. 
I mean, you got to let it go. You got to let it come forth out your belly. You got to let it come out your mouth because you're holding on to it. You're internalizing it. And that is what is psychologically, emotionally, mentally damaging you and breaking you down. And also you're holding on to the testimony to give me the glory in this. I got to set people free to Kia. And there's people tied up in your destiny that need to hear your voice. And if you don't speak, they won't hear it. And if they won't hear it, I can't get the glory. And if I don't get the glory, then yeah, we're not walking in purpose. And when he gave it to me like that, I was like, okay, let's talk. And it was empowering. And we have to break that stigma. We damage ourselves by trying to hold on to that hurt. And that's that's what therapy is about. I realized this talking, talking to you, talking on other guest interviews, talking on my podcast, I feel like I've spent an hour on a therapist's couch after I release all of this and it feels so good. It does. We are meant to talk. We are meant to get it out there. And I'm not saying everybody's platform is to get on there and publicly talk about their pain and things. There are those of us that God has called to do that, but there's therapy. I've done all kind of therapy, trauma, because I want to heal. There's groups. There's a, a friend. And that's one thing I will say. I want to double back about stalking that I had a group that, like I said, people didn't believe my friends and family believe me now. And there were those that always were those A ones from day one. They're like, I don't care what you say. I believe you and I'm here. But then there were people, even close friends that didn't understand it. And I would just advise anyone going through this, sitting on the receiving end, believe them. When a friend or a loved one comes to you and says, hey, this is what's going on. Believe them. Give them a safe space. Let them be heard, believe them. And that is my biggest takeaway because you already feel alone in this. You really do. And what I love about your podcast, it's not about trashing your ex. And I think sometimes people think that, but it's about the journey of healing. And there's an author called Alex L. And I love her quote. She says, "Um, self-healing is an act of community service. So when we choose to look at our story, heal and share, if that's what we're nudged to do, then somebody else, when I heard Billy Graham's daughter share, all of a sudden it changed everything for me because all I could see is that I was bad. (laughs) That's all I could see. And people that had a hard time believing me would say, well, he's such a teddy bear. It was a second marriage. So now I've failed twice at marriage. All the self-talk that goes into when we have the shame pulling at us versus when we can turn that around, look at the shame, recognize it's not us that's bad. It's the thing that Mm -hmm. happened. And then we can begin to turn things around. And oh, by the way, guess what? There's a lot of other women silently hurting. They don't even know anybody else has gone through this. And they're like, what is wrong with me? I was one of those women. Thank you. I'm so glad that you said you've been listening to the podcast and that is not about bashing my ex. And I'm so glad to hear someone say that because I stand firm on that. Anytime I've gone through any kind of childhood abuse, my past relationships, anything. I never speak up on it until I know that God has worked in me to work through that hurt and that unforgiveness so that when I'm talking about it, I'm not bitter. I'm not resentful. I am not retaliatory because none of that gives God glory. That's what I'm doing here. I am going to be purposeful. I want my healing. 
And that's not to say that I'm not human, that I don't have moments of sadness or tears or, you know, hey, I just really don't like how that went down. But my goal is not to even, this is not even about him. This is about the healing journey. And this is about others. The insurmountable amount of time I had to pray for him, to pray for him, because that's the only way I could find my healing and my peace. Otherwise, I would walk around angry, resentful, bitter. And I was, you know, because even with me, him doing the things to stalk me, but also to attempt to hurt me. I mean, attacking my character, trying to the very same people that I said, hey, accept him into the circle. Those are the very people that, well, I know Takia has a good heart and a good relationship with these people. And she's all about her faith and she's all about doing things in the community with women. Well, what better way to take her down than to try to defame her and make her look bad? That was done. And it was so heartbreaking and so debilitating But I knew in order for me to push through to get to the other side, I can't sit in that place of bitterness and anger and resentment. Even attacking my son, not physically, but going, okay, that's not slowing her down. But I know her heart. Her heart is for her children. So I will try to hurt her through that. That was a tough one. That required a lot of therapy and a lot of day-to-day, God, I forgive him. God, I forgive him. God, I forgive him. God, I forgive him. Because I'm still walking through and dealing with the repercussions of the hurt and the trauma that he imposed to my very own family, my son, my children. And I'm a mama bear. But it's definitely is not about bashing him. My prayer is that in this, he would truly find what it means to have a relationship with God. If nothing else comes out of this for him, I pray that I walked in my role as a then godly wife and now as a woman of God to show him that whatever hurt or pain you're dealing with, I pray that you can seek God for your healing and for your help. But as for me in my house, we're going to serve the Lord and we're going to do it right. And we're going to do it in love. And we're going to do it in kindness and compassion. We're going to use wisdom, but you, the stalker in itself doesn't matter to me, but what matters is my obedience and my pleasing God. And I'll always do everything like that. So it's not about bashing him. It's not, you know, and um, it's about telling my story and it's about sharing my story, giving voice to my story, giving other women permission to share their story, to say, you're not alone you are not crazy. You do not deserve this. You know, even in that, you know, let's talk about women for a second. We as women can be some of our biggest critics. And I I dealt with that. I dealt with women saying, oh, it's just you. Or he says it's not this. Or, you know, it was really my jaw dropping some of the conversations that were had. We have to stop doing that to one another. We have to be a safe space for each other. We all have something that we're going through, something we're taught or something that's learned or acquired behavior. And some people are just not going to get it. But what I've learned to do is find my tribe. I've learned to 
pull the people in that love and accept me and celebrate me. And I've learned to surround myself with only those kind of people. And that's what's good for me. And that's what my podcast is about. Even though I may not know you on a personal level, if you can turn on my podcast and hear my voice in a one-on-one intimate setting in your ear and feel like we can relate, I say I'm the BFF that you never knew you had. How can people find you? My link tree, your smile is your weapon. You will find everything on that link, my books, my website, more information about Heal Her, my speaking engagements, my podcast, Behind This Smile, and just everything about my story. So linktree.com backslash your smile is your weapon. And you can find that's my social handle everywhere. Your smile is your weapon. Thank you so much for sharing and for being brave because talking about stalking takes a certain kind of bravery. Uh, it's really easy to retreat and to hide. Even many, many years later, I know that there is someone hearing this that is overwhelmed right now thinking, I didn't know there were other people going through this. Do you have brain fog? Are you exhausted all the time? Do you struggle with depression? How about cravings? Imagine an enzyme that turns sugar into fiber. For a link to order your bottle, email me at lacoach at comcast.net. That's L-A-C-O-A-C-H at comcast.net. Three things we learned from Takia. There is hope. There is support. Even if the people around you don't really understand what you're going through with domestic violence, there are agencies and there are people that do understand and can help you. And not only that, they can help you get your life back in a very safe way. If you love this podcast, here's a big ask. Will you share with your friends and family? Subscribe, give us a review, and a five-star rating so that others looking to reinvent their lives will be able to get the help they're looking for. Thank you in advance.